This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights, with your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the rant. Politi here, Fonseca, Lanny, we're all here. Fellas, I'm going to start right off with some very, very good news. The New Brunswick Development Corporation, DevCo. Our friends at Devco have re-upped our contract for another year to sponsor this thing. Couldn't be happier about that. Chris Paldino is a great friend of Rutgers. They do great stuff down there. And, I, and this is really exciting. I get to go into a, a studio and record like professional advertisements for Devco now. So maybe they give me like a, a hard hat and I can do like one of those, one of those videos like they do with Aaron Lewis when I'm walking around like like inspecting a building down there or something. That'd be fun, right? You might have to put a name tag over your head so they don't confuse you and Aaron Lewis because you guys look alike. We do look alike. Yeah, we have that. We have similar, yeah, similar body frames. Absolutely. Yeah. How many sacks are getting this season, please? <laughs> well, at least at least ten and a half. And more importantly, uh, how many quarterback hits? Yeah, yeah. You got, there's got to be somebody there though. Someone down there and right now is listening to this. Be like, they could they could have spent that money that they're giving those guys on like a strong safety, like a back like a backup punter or something, and they're giving it to them. But no, we're very happy, Paladino. Thank you. Thank you to DevCo. We'll have more news on that soon. So appreciate that. We're a part of the DevCo team. Me, Lanny, Wimsett, Cliff. Who else? Aaron Lewis. Aaron Lewis. Yeah, Aaron Sam Lewis. Brown. Is that it? Sam Brown is in DevCo is, is team? He? I think so. There you go. And so if he's not, good. he should be. He should be. Absolutely. You would think he is. Imagine him running construction material from one side of the site to the other. That's a good video idea. See, you could be like Devco's, you could be like their creative consultant. That's a good idea. Clank carrying some two by fours across the yard for 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 construction. That's good. I like it. I live in a Devco building in New Brunswick and don't even know it, Brian. It's very possible. I would not be shocked, to be honest. It's a good point. It's not, it's a good point. They have built everything down there. All right, let's get started. Let's get, we're going to talk a lot of basketball. We're going to talk a lot of uh, other other off-the-field stuff, but we have to start with football. We're now three and a half weeks away from the big Northwestern game, I believe, if my calendar is correct. You guys were at the scrimmage on Saturday. Uh, looks like you gleaned the, quite a bit about what this team's looking like offensively. I guess most of the questions are about uh, 
Gavin Wim said, of course. So, I mean, just give it to me, fellas. What? Uh, how's the quarterback look in his first, uh, first scrimmage of the summer? The positives that Greg brought up was that he did not turn the ball over, which as anyone who watched Rutgers last year knows, that was a very big issue. No interceptions, no fumbles for the first or second team, which also, which is what Greg said, which also means Evan Simon did not have any interceptions or fumbles either, which is a good sign for the offense. That means they will not, if they can keep doing this in a game setting, they will not blow games the way they did against Iowa and Nebraska. The more alarming thing is that Greg said that Wimsett was inaccurate, was not very accurate, was less accurate than he had been in previous practices, which should send alarm bells because accuracy was Gavin's major issue last season. So you'd like to see him up those numbers, especially in a controlled scrimmage where he's not getting hit. Defensive players are encouraged not to go too aggressively at the quarterback. So I, I think if you want to look at it half glass full, no, no interceptions, very good sign. Half glass empty, one touchdown and inaccuracy issues. That's not, uh, there's reason to be pessimistic that way too. That's a big honking red, red flag for me, Pat. I mean, I, that's the one thing that that's the one thing he's got to improve. I mean, a honker, a honker. That is a honker. Um, yeah. Is it, it- are they not putting him in an offense to to minimize those? I thought the offense actually looked a lot more simplified and was designed okay. for success for Wimsett. I think he just there were a lot of deep throws that he missed on. He threw some. I will say he did throw a couple of nice balls to Chris Long, and Chris Long looks like he's going to be one of that. He's going to be that deep threat of the wide receiver core. But I, I think he missed on those intermediate, like 10 to 15 yards, which are critical. We shall see. We shall see. But yeah, it was definitely alarming to see inaccuracy being his biggest issue once again. But I, I thought the offense was simplified to to make those third and five easier for him. And, you know, third and third and short, if Rutgers can get to third and short, he should be better in those situations. Mm-hmm. So I thought uh, one of my biggest takeaways was like, I kind of liked what Shiraka had done with the offense. Uh, I thought it was a little bit, uh, it was simpler. Uh, the running game wasn't as effective as I thought it would be. Maybe there were a few issues why, but, you know, the defense is obviously a little ahead of the offense in that regard. But I thought the offense was set up for Wimsett to succeed, which is really what you want to see at this point. Are we talking RPOs here? Are we talking, what, yeah. what, what is that? Is this the Minnesota offense that we all expect? It, it really was. It, it was a lot of RPO and uh, a lot of like slants. I don't want to uh, give away too much, but there were a couple screens thrown. Steve, a couple uh, screens uh, thrown. Couple of, Woo! Uh, topic last year. We couldn't Party get a screen. In the USA. That <laughs> so, is yeah. Who are right now, if you were to rank the the weapons that we that we think are going to catch passes in this offense is Johnny Langan number one. I mean, who like you said Chris Long? Can can you give me a sense for for which of those guys are, are emerging from that really cluttered sort of collection of newcomers as far as receivers go? Uh, the one name that keeps flying under the radar is Isaiah Washington. He he's been pretty steady with the first team. Christian Dremel had a couple catches uh, Saturday. And then you got uh, the newcomers, Jockway Jackson had a couple targets, a couple catches. But I, I, I still think I think Langan is in for a big year at, at tight end. I really do. That was one of my big takeaways. All right. Shift into the offensive line. It looks like he's got the left side locked up, but the right side still a battle. I mean, that unit's got to be better. You're bringing Pat Flaherty. You know, you've got experience. You've got depth, I think, for the first time. Uh, big Ten depth. Uh, I mean, Brian, what's your sense? Is that is that shaken out now that you're gonna that we're gonna see a better offensive line? I don't know if 
depth is, uh, I mean, you'll have depth in the sense you'll have bodies. I don't know about quality depth just yet. Greg did say that there was the battle on the right side, like you mentioned, Needham and Missouri at right tackle. And the right guard situation is interesting, right? Because Chafoni and Asamoah are going at it. I have a vague memory that they both played on the left side last year. I, I thought that was, at least that was what I thought, right? You're right. So that, that implies that Curtis Dunlap is on the left. I don't know if this is them mixing and matching in a scrimmage and testing things out. You know, I don't know if this is uh, adjustments from what they saw last year. I think there are a couple of certainties on this line. There's Ireland Brown at center with a decent backup in Gus Zelinkis, Zelinkis, Colin Pierce at left tackle. And then that the guards will be those combination of those three in those spots, Chifoni, uh, Asamoa and uh, Curtis Dunlap. And we have a, we have settled one camp battle already. We have a kicker. It's exciting. There, there is a kicker, and much to the chagrin of uh, so certain listeners and a certain media member who keeps busting my balls about bringing this up on the podcast, uh, a very loyal listener of the podcast. Shall very be loyal left. listener. Uh, he'll okay. be unnamed, but he knows right. who um, I think I've got a good guess. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Yes. There is a kicking battle. There was a kicking battle. I was very <laughs> intrigued by it, and uh, apparently Jay Patel has done enough uh, early on in camp and in the offseason to pass Jude McAdamy, who was the starting kicker last year and struggled in intermediate kicks. I believe he missed three kicks in the 30 to 39 yard range. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jay Patel is, I wouldn't say automatic, but he's pretty good in that short range, which I think is kind of helping him. He doesn't have the same leg as Jude, but I think consistency is pretty big, uh, obviously. So I think you'd rather make most of your kicks 40 yards and in than you know, maybe hit more kicks from 50 yards and out. So uh, is there a possibility of a two-kicker system? You know, a kind of Chris Leak, Tim Tebow version of the kicking game? I don't know. I certainly think that the skill sets are there to do that. Uh, but Jay Patel has uh, has won the first battle of training camp, which is, I think, the most intriguing and exciting one. <laughs> okay. I'll tell Fuchs you said so. All right. Um <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's do that. let's put on our amateur Shianoologist hat here for a minute. Got several comments from readers saying that he didn't, didn't look exactly uh, uh, tickled in the press conference after the uh, after the, the scrimmage. Uh, made a good joke about the, the resemblance between him and Isaiah Iden, which I see totally. I totally see that. Tell me about your sense. Was the coach unhappy, displeased? Uh, what 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 do we what, what do we read about how he how he's feeling about the team at this point? I think he was just, he was so hot and cold. Like one minute he was joking, one minute he was scratching his head, thinking about the offense. So if I'm going to put my best Shiano hat on, I'm going to say uh, he thought they took a step back in the scrimmage from what he saw in practice offensively. He was saying that he thought Gavin and the offense had looked good in, in practices leading up to the scrimmage, but maybe regressed a little bit in the scrimmage and i think that was a little upsetting for him so i'll leave it at that leave it at that okay well, he's middle of camp i'm sure every head coach is every head coach is worried about something so we shouldn't read too much into it but uh, uh based on your descriptions i can understand why he's a little worried all right give me some names here give me a couple of guys that you thought uh stood out in the scrimmage that would surprise people rick Giotto said two young guys that had productive days um ian strong who okay. had a pretty good spring uh, so I think he's a young guy. Uh, Kirk Schrocker had named three young receivers that could play uh, when he was on Big Ten Network that could have a role. Ian Strong, Devon Fuse, and Dylan Braithwaite. I think Ian Strong is pretty clearly ahead of that group. And I think he has a chance. Uh, very impressive frame on, on a wide receiver. Big, big for a freshman. Him and Fama Ture are two of the bigger freshman wide receivers I've ever seen. So 
That's interesting. Um, that strong has emerged more than F- Fama Torreo came in with all the hype. Well, Fama Torreo came in late. He wasn't in the spring. Right. He came in the, in the summer, so he's still kind of uh, adapting. I can imagine the first two, three weeks of college practices. And uh, another young guy that had a productive day was running back Jay Sean Benjamin. He might have trouble getting snaps in that very crowded running back room with a lot of guys there that could play. But uh, I think he, I think he had a good day. Crowded running back room. Never say that without thinking Ryan Dunleavy and Saquon Barkley. That's an inside joke for longtime Rutgers fans who understand that one. Uh, all right. Uh, anything else we want to touch on with football before we go to basketball here? I mean, you know, I'm sure we'll get we'll get to some questions on it in a minute. But was anything that 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 stood out here? I think anyone getting nervous about what they heard from Jerry DiNardo and the BTN crew last week, or what we're saying about the scrimmage, or what Greg is how Greg's demeanor is after the first scrimmage. Uh, it's it's probably a bit early to start, you know, expecting a two and ten year. I think um, there's a lot of training camp left, and I think I think the first real test is what happens when you know Northwestern comes out and how they look. Um, Northwestern is a whole weird circus over there in Evanston. They got T-shirts defending their fired head coach, and then you got administrators talking about you know uh, how it's a disgrace, and then you have a coach saying he's not going to infringe on anyone's freedom of speech, like he's a like he's a politician. Um, we they if they lose to Northwestern, I think that's peg button time. Which, by the way, uh, a preview into a little gimmick. I was at Dave and Buster's this weekend, and I won a panic button. So I might be using this. Oh, look at that! There yeah. you go. Punch well, that panic button. Beautiful. I have it right. I have it in front of me. I'm not going to hit it just yet, and I would expect. Oh, okay. I would tell Rutgers fans uh, not to hit it quite yet either. Smash that panic button. Good stuff. Uh, all right, let's talk some hoops. We got uh, the team overseas. They made the move from Senegal to your native land, Portugal. It looked like they were they played the Senegalese version of Athletes in Action, a pretty high-scoring game there. Uh, I, so what are we, other than allowing Cliff Omarori, who cannot do NIL deals over here because of his international student visa has to other other than allowing him to slam i mean he is slamming in the ads over there for wings for the yard for i mean all sorts of stuff it's hilarious to look at his social media i mean the man the man is working the man is selling you got to admire that uh, other than that what are we accomplishing over over in uh, overseas i mean have you have you seen anything from this team to give you some insight on where this direction is going roster wise we haven't seen much. They they only released a highlight of the last two plays of the of their game against the Senegal Select, a game they Senegal won. Select they won eighty five eighty three by scoring ninety five points based on the point totals we were given. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. So that just didn't add up. Is that so? There was a non shooting period, which my understanding is was uh, um, calculated in. There was a language okay. barrier there. It was a long day, um, so uh, it was not the most professional operation, but. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Which is why it's hard to take away much from these games, right? Because I don't know the quality of the competition. I know the average age of the opponent is 28, but I can gather, you know, 10 of my friends and go play basketball. And I'm sure the Rutgers basketball team would destroy us. I don't know if these guys are amateurs, former basketball players. For, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's much to take away from the fact they only won by two and they needed Andre Hyatt, who apparently turned into Michael Jordan and scored 30 points on like 70% <laughs> shooting. They needed him to score a last minute three to tie it. And they needed Antoine Wolfolk to get the putback to win. I, I don't know. I don't know what what the and then we were only given select stats. So some players had a full line. Andre Hyatt had thirty points on nine of fifteen shooting with ten yeah. rebounds and X assists. And Derek Simpson had nine assists, no shots, yeah. no no rebounds, no steals, no nothing. Right. So 
it's really hard to glean. I think the, and the bigger thing that the program is pushing is that more than what they're doing on the court, they're achieving a lot off the court, of course. historical sites, spending time together, um, hiking, apparently they hiked for six hours in the African sun, the day, you know, the same day they play that game. I think those are the things that they're hoping to take away from rather than, I think the score against the Senegal select isn't going to be in the NCAA committee's, you know, resume. So I think they're kind of flushing that game behind. Some great dance videos too. I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing some, seeing some awkward dancing by uh, uh, on the beach, which is great. It's fun. This is what this is supposed to be. You're supposed to have a team bonding. The extra practices, you know, they should come back in way ahead of where they would have been without without this. So it's it's great that they're doing it. And I think they're rewarding some some really uh, longtime boosters too with the trip. So I'd be very interested to hear when they get back what they accomplish. So they're going from here to Portugal. Same how many days over there? Same situation. My understanding is they're going to come back Sunday, and they're splitting the, the rest of the time there between Algarve, which is in the south the beach area, and then Lisbon in the last few days. They're supposed to play two games. I believe that's still the plan. I don't know the days. Um, the schedule, I guess, is kind of mixed because I, my original understanding is they were supposed to play that game in Senegal on Friday and they played Thursday. So I'm not entirely sure when they'll play, but uh, they're going to play two more games is what I understand. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll touch base with them when they, uh, when they get back, but it looks like uh, it looks like it's uh, exactly what they wanted it to be so far. All right. I want to dive into some questions from the readers here. We've got a bunch of them, a bunch of good ones. Let's um, do it. You made you made fun of me. I've noticed that I was listening to you guys doing the pod solo, just in case I'm sitting on a beach, beautiful beach in Fire Island, listening to you guys without me. And of course, you made fun of the fact that I ha- I ask you every time. I didn't realize I do this, that I ask you as if you can say, no, Steve, we don't want to do questions this week. Okay, I get it. All right. So this is, you know, I mean, let's one of, do it. It's one of the quirks of the pod. Okay. All right. All right. So a lot of questions about the athletic story. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm guessing everyone who listens to this podcast is aware uh, the athletic parachuted in <laughs> as national publications are want to do uh, and wrote a story because of declaring the Rutgers move to the Big Ten as the worst, uh, the worst of the worst in the expand. Looking back at conference expansion, uh, here's the quite I want to hear your thoughts on that article in the athletic and where they quoted Politi and Trash Rutgers. Is the administration that bad? Um, let me so let me just give you the background. I was actually interviewed for this story. <laughs> um, for 45 minutes and they didn't quote me. They didn't actually use any of the stuff. I think I guess I was, and I joked, I joked on Twitter. I said, maybe I was too positive. Um, so it was my sense on this one is that sometimes, and look, I've, I've done it. We've all done it. They had a headline in mind and they were going to write a story to that headline that this was the worst, the worst move in expansion. I just don't think, I don't think their, their reporting uh, supported that conclusion. That was, that was where, where I came out with it. I mean, if you're going to quote Jim Delaney saying that, the revenues from Rutgers uh, and Maryland, the revenues for the Big Ten Network after those two schools were added, increased by 400%. If you're going to quote him in the story about that, how can you make a conclusion that it was a bad decision? All of these moves, they didn't add Rutgers because they're good at football. I mean, they added Rutgers for the money, for the cable boxes. Of course, we knew that then, we know that now. I mean, that, that hasn't changed. Uh, the fact that they're 1-29 in 29 against 
Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State doesn't offset the fact that it made them a lot of money. And I think that's, to me, that's what was lost here. No one cares about, no one in the Big Ten cares that Rutgers Athletic is a money loser in Piscataway, that New Jersey taxpayers or student fees or whatever it might be is, is keeping this thing afloat. No, they don't care about that. They just care about the fact that it put, adding Rutgers put the Big Ten in a stronger position than before adding Rutgers. And I, that's the only thing, right? That's, that's the, that is the only way you judge that move. Well, look, I think from the Big Ten standpoint, the only thing that mattered was making money. I understand. From Rutgers' standpoint, it's important to have a, a, a conference and not be stuck in the AAC where you're taking trips to Tulsa and Houston and all that stuff. I totally get it. I think from that standpoint, the Big Ten and Rutgers both got what they wanted out of the deal, and it is a net positive. Definitely agree. I think on the football field, the fact that they have struggled so much, it's it's, it's a negative worth mentioning, right? I think... Do, does Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State appreciate the essentially you know free win they got for many years with Rutgers there? Sure, but it, it's a it's a dead week. It's a, it's a second bye week essentially for a lot of these fan bases. It's and part of football, the fun of college football is competitive games, and not getting competitive games. And even this is the same for Rutgers fans. You know, I think you could celebrate your administrators making more money and the school being able to build facilities. But what does that matter when you're going into a Saturday knowing you're going to get your brains beaten? You know, half the half the season uh, that takes away some of the fun. And to me, I think the whole point of this is to have fun, to be able to watch good football and to enjoy your team winning games from time to time. Maybe Rutgers will eventually turn it around in football and become a you know an Iowa-esque program that could pull off these big wins and be competitive. That should be the goal. Um, I just think that while it's nice that your school makes money, at some point, the wins have to come for it to be worth it. And I don't want to hear about Olympic sports success because that's all well and good. That's nice for the alums that really care about that stuff. But does it really matter that field hockey won a big 10 title that women's soccer won a big 10 title men's soccer? Like well, it uh, matters to them. I mean, of course but, but the fan base, like how, how much of the fan base really cares about that? Stuff? What about like, basketball though? Does basketball not matter? Basketball is a fair point. Uh, basketball hasn't won anything really. I mean, they're, they're competitive. They're, they're, they're in there in the league. They went, they go, they've been, 500 or better the last four years. They're very fun. That is, I, I will give you that. Basketball has been, uh, in the past four or five years, major success for Rutgers, a feather in their cap. That is what I'm saying about football. Football, if they ever become successful like that, then I will see it as a big win for the program uh, because to be successful in the Big Ten is a lot better than the AAC, like I said. But right. till then, I just don't think it's a... The, we're well, on it's a two big ad- problem. You're not. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. I hear what you're saying. It's just that they, the, the, I mean, it's just what happened. They had a, had a, they had hired the wrong head coach twice, right? And that's not that's you know that's not an indictment that Rutgers is always going to be that. And I think already you know you're seeing it turn a corner a little bit, right, Pat? I mean, it's not like yeah. it's not like you can say. And I guess my my takeaway from that when when you're when you're ripping it is the worst move ever. Well, Nebraska sucks at football. Sucked at football for for ten years, and they didn't bring. Eight million cable boxes. You know, what I mean, like what? What did like what did Nebraska bring? To, I just I looked at some of the other moves. Missouri sucks in the SEC, and no one's talking about that being the, the worst move, right? I, I don't know, Pat. I mean, Northwestern has been horrible at pretty much every, every major sport for as long as the Big Ten has been around. Is and is anyone going to revoke Northwestern's membership in the Big Ten? You know, scandal aside, uh, like I, I think it was a little. Uh, sensational the article I, I agree with you that it didn't live up to the headline and also a point that we didn't bring up is like everything that they reported on in that story has already been written yeah by a million us times. Right. a million times uh, so it was just like a, a 
a rehashed version of things that have that have been said many many times and it was just alarming because the athletic is the new york times right like it is drew some bigger eyeballs Right. It's the same. I used to joke once a year. It was like New York newspaper discovers New Jersey football team, yeah, but this, this exactly, is what that was. Exactly, only that's exactly what it was. Uh, another question. And this story did, the story did raise talk about honking red flags, but, uh, and this question goes to that. A couple of questions went to this one. Uh, contraction. Now that college athletics is firmly established the haves and have nots, how soon do we see the remaining power three, four programs, uh, conferences start looking inward? with the elites looking to further separate from the bottom feeders of these leagues. Basically, how screwed is Rutgers and how soon will whispers of con- contraction become open debates? This is from Bob from Long Valley. Listen, last year when we reported the story on uh, the Big Ten anniversary, did the 10-year package, I asked that question to a lot of people. Uh, and the best answer I got was from Gene Smith, who says, look, I can't predict Gene Smith, the soon to retire Ohio State athletic director, one of the biggest power brokers in the big 10 he says look i can't begin to protect predict anything these days but i do not see a scenario in which university presidents start voting out you know at start voting out universities in good standing for 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 their for that reason he just said i just don't see that happening um that's not to say it won't. I'm sure he didn't see. I'm sure he didn't see it that his volleyball team would be playing in Eugene, Oregon someday either. Like you can't predict these things. I just don't think it's easy to say. All right, yeah, sure, let's start tossing schools out. But that is harder in execution than it is in theory, right? I mean, then you have to start to do that. You're counting on the fact that there'll be super conferences. You're counting on the fact that the SEC and the Big Ten will get together and make something closer to the NFL. You're counting on just a lot of things happening, I guess, Brian. Am I am I mistaking my analysis on this? No. And look, I think that it is more likely than not that Rutgers will never be kicked out of the Big Ten. That being said, I don't think when the TV contract ends in 2030, I believe that's the year, when we get closer and closer to that date, I don't think people should feel 100% you know, confident. I think there should be some fear that if things don't start turning around in the next six, seven years, because I don't think, like you said, I don't think it's I don't think it's likely Marcus gets kicked out now. I don't think Oregon and Washington would join the conference last year, right? So these things are always evolving. And I would nothing in college sports would surprise me at this point. I pitched this on Twitter. I saw a, a genius idea of promotion relegation. I think that would be a genius idea for college football that we just make it a separate sport, make it a giant one super conference, and then make it like the like these European soccer leagues where you have you know the top division and multiple divisions, and then you kind of instead of teams joining leagues and conferences because of their TV boxes and their audiences, you earn it on the football field. You have to you know finish in the top two, or top three of your league, then you could get promoted, and you don't fall in the bottom two and get relegated. I think that would be it would never happen, but I think right. that would be an yeah. awesome solution. It's, it's a great idea, but how do you feel? It Go always ahead. comes back to the European soccer. That's yeah, right. <laughs> it's a great idea. But how do you get? How do you divide the pie, the money pie? I mean, it, it, it's, this is all happening because you know the Pac-10 wanted they wanted those the schools wanted more money than they were getting from their current conference. I just I just wonder how that happens, just from a logistical standpoint of getting all those all those conferences to agree to something. Experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldrich is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldrich Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. 
a place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldridge lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Nights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldridge.com. That's tough. Steve, I'm curious if you're, when you were doing your reporting for that big story, if you if you touched on the academic value of the Big Ten and what Rutgers means to that realm of, of the conference uh, yeah no absolutely I know, I know that was a big deal uh, for for a big part of it too it was and it's it's funny like and i talked to this is great i talked to a, a doctor at the university hospital a cancer scientist essentially it's like i can't believe i'm wasting this man's time you should be curing cancer not talking to me curing liver cancer no less too so it's a, it's a cancer that might might become one that i have to fight someday anyway um so as as and he's just telling me like you know and as far as the rutgers goes in the big 10 we are we are the powerhouse <laughs> it was like yeah. he was bragging about it like we like we're, we don't look down to nobody here in cancer research and it was just kind of cool for to hear him to say that uh, but yeah, I mean, it was a it was a good fit, and and the Big Ten consortium is like a it's like a multi billion dollar deal. I mean, this is not like like I get it. People make fun of those like commercials that come out when, during halftime is when you go up and get you get another beer when they're telling you how great the you know the picture of the student athlete in a lab somewhere in in Ohio. Like you make fun of that, but it's a it's a big part of it. And and Rutgers, you know, Rutgers' place in that is is. It's you know it's it's real. It's you know, they're a, a excellent university that that adds to that thing in many different ways. Um, and it's it and that's why. And the other part of this, like why when you call like the the athletic story is trying to paint this out to be a bad move for Rutgers, which is just insane. I mean, it's just insane. There's like <laughs> on every level, on every level, it was the right move for Rutgers, and especially on on non I mean non athletic stuff. Hopefully, you're, instead of being in a conference with you know, apologies to South Florida and, and, and I don't know, SMU, whoever's in the AAC right now, apologies to them. But now you're in a conference, people are, you're with Michigan and you're with, with, you're with the Northwestern and students growing up, you know, this, this is like, you uh, someone should get this extra, I could do commercial for, but uh, kids growing up now only know Rutgers in the big 10. If you're, if you're 16 year old applying to college, you didn't know there was anything else. So anyway, that's my, that's my rant about that. I don't think there's any doubt it was important for, for academically for Rutgers to be in the big 10. And that's why I think Shiano actually has, he always says, I, I knew that Rutgers was the right fit for the big 10. And he's, he always pairs it with the academics and the athletics or the right fit. And I, I just totally agree with him in that aspect. Right. No, there's no question. There's no, no. question. You know how Notre Dame has like, a, I think the hockey plays in America East or something and football plays AACC. If Rutgers, it was, would there ever be a possibility of academic only in the Big Ten and then athletic department in another conference? I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's going to work. I mean, it's still, it's still athletic conference first and foremost. Although I did see someone at, well, Rick Pitino, not just someone, made the, made the observation that football should break off and they should just be, they should keep the regional conferences for every other sport, um, which, I mean, when you start thinking about, you know, the field hockey team going to Seattle in the middle of the, the winter, I mean, that you start to say, okay, maybe that does make sense. Um, I don't know if that'll ever happen either. It's just, it, it's just hard to logistically to imagine how that works out and how do you do, how do you crown a conference champion? I don't know. There's just a lot about that that makes it difficult to, to foresee, but he's right. That does make sense. Oh, schedule. What's going to happen to the Rutgers 2024 schedule now is, is a hot topic too. Uh, that the Big Ten is going to rework the schedule and we're just waiting to see what happens because we know 
that the schedule Rutgers got for 2024 was a juggernaut to say the least. Maybe there'll be some revisions in that. That'll be beneficial. Is there any scenario where it gets easier by adding Washington (laughs) or Oregon? Does that make sense? well Well, the joke is they took away Indiana and added UCLA. So this time they'll take away, uh, Maryland. I don't know. And add Oregon, Maryland and Washington. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, me. to your to your point, Brian. The point you were making earlier, you know, about they do have they just have to get winning solves everything. They have to get better, and and yeah, if they're going to start playing, add two more very very good football programs that they have to match up with. Um, but uh, yeah, good question. I wonder when that's did they say when that schedule is coming out? No, no, okay. we were we were asking about it. Uh, they just said uh, maybe a couple weeks. Okay. Something to look forward to. All right, more questions uh, on a scale of one to ten. If Gavin was a two last year, a prediction for what number he would be this year? Can we get him to a five? Would that be you know that would be that be that big improvement? What do you think? Great question. This is a great. This is a really well framed question. It is. Yeah, I'm optimistic. You're optimistic. So um, what would I that am. mean? I am. I I, I think and no, I think we can get him to a five and. Rutgers identity, it, it, we all know what it's going to be. Play great de- – exactly what the Big Ten analysts said. They're going to play great defense, and they need the offense to be competitive enough to keep the defense off the field, maintain long drives, and and just get them into the 20s, 20 points. So I think if you have a quarterback that's a five that can convert – move the sticks and, you know, effectively manage that, that running game, I, I think – that's the recipe for success. And I think that's what everyone's looking forward to. Right, I would put it under four. Put I, it I, four? I think realistic, I think, you know, which is twice as good as he was last year, but, um, you know, not all Big Ten level quite yet. Gotcha. Tony Lawrence wants to know, between the Big Ten roadshow and the post-scrimmage pressure, how nervous should we be about the offense? I mean, you watched it last year. I don't think there's anything that would have happened at camp that wouldn't make you, it wouldn't be, you wouldn't be nervous going into the first game, right? I mean, the got shut up by Maryland. Guys could barely move the ball. So of course it's giving nerves. How, how nervous should people be? I mean, it can't get much worse, right? So That's I true. guess they, they could be, they could be relaxed that the worst is come and gone. It can only get better. Right. All right. Fair enough. All right. Uh, we have some hoop schedule questions. Uh, any news on the second, third B ball games? Brian, what do we got on the schedule? Is that the schedule's out and official? Is anything anything else happening? I think they mean the second and third games of the overseas trip, right? Um, I guess so. Yes. Good I <laughs> I don't know. It'll happen this week. They'll they'll both happen this week. I just don't know what days. The schedule is done. They're going to officially announce it at some point when they get back, and the Big Ten will announce its um, schedule because that you have the pairings. They haven't announced the schedule yet. That should be uh, late August, early September. That's when it usually is. Um, and we like we like the basketball schedule better than last year a little bit. And is that? I would I mean, say so. I think what? this is probably the best schedule they've had under Pykele, which isn't right. you know it's a very low bar to clear, but I, w- I would say so. I think it's uh, um, not a huge improvement from years past, but I would say a very strong step in the right direction. Okay, that's good. And the Mississippi State game at the rack, uh, sorry, at the Rock is still happening. Is that the correct? That was officially announced, and officially uh, announced. I think I said this on the pod, but I'll say it again. Just ingenious scheduling. Um, to get a neutral site game against the team from Mississippi, 40 minutes away from your home arena uh, that you can pack out with 80% Rutgers fans. 80%? And... Who's coming up from Mississippi for that game? Good well, game. the 20% are going to be empty seats for people traveling for Christmas. Gotcha. I, right. I just, um, if that place isn't 
to your point, yes, if that place isn't packed with Rutgers fans and there's the five Mississippi State fans are fighting for their life, then uh, then it would be a failure. All right, Dylan Harper question. You knew this was coming. When does must a Dylan Harper make a decision? Is there an actual rule or just a rule of thumb? I don't think he has to make a decision until like, you know, October 2024, September 2024. If he didn't, could take it, just show up. He could just enroll. That's not going to happen, obviously. Uh, look, like a lot of people in in media, I had a, just a ton of people last week nudging me that this is hap- this is going to happen soon. This is going to happen soon. I've seen no indication that that's true yet. Um, but there was a lot of smoke late late last week that uh, that people thought that this was this thing was coming down uh, coming down the pike in a hurry. Brian, what are you hearing now? I mean, is it uh, it's just kind of it's obviously a waiting game, but uh, any indication whatsoever that he's closer? It should happen soon. It should have. It was you know some people said last week, some people think this week, some people think early September. Um, it sounds like it's going to happen before his high school season starts in October, I think. Uh, but that is a very large range. Yeah. Uh, I would really appreciate it. Dylan just announced the day himself at some point soon to let everybody, you know, let, let us know, let the fans stop asking us about it. Uh, my, he he was on his, he, I think he's playing into it a little bit too. Cause he was on Instagram live a week ago with Ron and they were joking around and he's saying like commitment coming soon, maybe this Friday. And then five minutes later, he's saying, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So you think maybe it's Friday. Maybe he's kidding about kidding. And now my mind is in a complete pretzel about the whims of a 16 year old kid and uh, <laughs> I'm stressing out all weekend. So I think if gun to my head, I would soon-ish, next week or two, at latest in the next month. But if he extended this to October, I wouldn't be surprised either because he was supposed to commit in July. So uh, your guess is as good as mine. The big news in basketball circles, Cooper Flag reclassifying to the class of 2024, which means workers will no longer be getting the number one prospect. Uh, I guess people think Cooper Flag is pretty much like uh, – What's the comparison you've heard? He he is he is by far the number one player. Yeah. Uh, if Rutgers gets Dylan Harper, do they still have the number one class? Yes. Yes, they would still have the number one class, um, barring North Carolina landing Cooper Flag, which is not going to happen. He's going to Duke. Uh, I don't think Duke's class is going to be quite strong enough to surpass Rutgers. Um, is Cooper Flag going to Duke change Dylan Harper's mind? I don't think so. I mean, they they spent a lot of time together at uh, recent Nike camp, and they're friendly. But I don't, I, I don't think so. I think Dylan Harper at Rutgers would be the guy. I think if you're going to any team with Cooper Flag, you are most certainly not the guy. Um, looking at a picture of who Cooper Flag, he has got Duke written all over him, doesn't he? Just looks like a Duke. He just looks like he's got like he's a cross between um, Christian Leitner and uh, <laughs> what was the guy? What was Patriot the guy? <laughs> yes exactly yes that's it that's great yeah he is he is he's a dookie uh all right a couple more questions um this is one i don't know if you i have no idea that could just someone could just be making this up but uh a soccer question that i'm I'm wondering if you have the answer to how are teams chosen to be in exhibitions for soccer byu is far are they paid i get colgate but why not closer schools i guess the soccer team's playing byu is that right they hosted BYU. The women's soccer team hosted BYU in a scrimmage oh, last okay. week. Gotcha. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I have no idea if they're paid. I have no idea. I can't, I truthfully couldn't even tell you if BYU is a good program. Mormon mission, maybe coming out coming out here or something. Uh, there's a lot to fix in New Jersey, so maybe, but I would <laughs> I would doubt it. All right, so we don't have an answer to that one. Sorry. 
Uh, and the final one, would any of you beat reporters dare climb to the top of the tower on the Rutgers football practice field? This is from CJ and Baskin Ridge. Um, I would say that now, I'm, I mean, the practice, the towers are, are relatively sturdy structures now. In the old days, I would not be caught dead on the back, back you know, back in the Shiana 1.0. I mean, those things were those things were uh, 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 death traps. But uh, I think now I would climb up there. Well, you? I, I wouldn't be worried about the structural integrity of the tower. I'd be worried about the sniper standing over the hail center, knocking me down when I try to climb up the stairs. <laughs> if I, I was had... going to say, uh, I'm not going to be allowed back into practice after what I said on this podcast today. So <laughs> yes, that won't feel... be a possibility. <laughs> That's great. All right. So those are all the questions we've got. So yes, I'm going up to the tower. The other two are chicken shit. All right. Um, final thoughts, guys. What, uh, what, how do you want to close this sucker? Anything else? Um, men's soccer starts their season, women's soccer and men's soccer start their season this week, I believe next week. Uh, so the Rutgers athletics calendar is starting soon. Do we expect good soccer, soccer teams? Obviously the men are coming off a very good season, a breakthrough season. The women might've taken a step back, but they are, as we've said, you know, the, the, the premier, uh, Olympic sport team. So what do we think? I would say there will be good soccer play at your sack this year. I cannot promise titles, um, but I think that the women's soccer will compete for the Big Ten title. And I think men's soccer will be competitive in the Big Ten. So uh, I would say so. Good. All right. Lanny, final thoughts? I would just just add that I've been a big believer in Kirk Shiraka. And I think that he is the right guy for the job and is going to do good things for this offense and that the reaction coming off the scrimmage has just been a little bit over the top for, for what's been, what's been coming. Like, I, I think there needs to be a little bit more patience, uh, you know, and I, I think that uh, just have some faith, have some faith that the offense is going to be a little bit better and be able to keep the team in games. That's the bottom line. Like, can the offense be good enough to keep them in games? And I think that they will. You're asking for optimism from a fan base that's convinced they're going to be relegated out of the Big Ten. I like it. That's good. Yes, yes, yes. That's good. That's good. I, th- I think this is a good time to point out that Rutgers fans are making estimations on what's going on based on the face and tone of their head coach in a press conference. <laughs> no, one's, no one actually saw it. No yeah. one actually saw anything. No one has. There's not been much information out. Which maybe if there was a little bit more to bite, people wouldn't be uh, the the third wrinkle on Greg Shannon's forehead wouldn't be sending people into epileptic, you know. Shock all weekend. Just saying. They're wrinkle. Love it. All right, fellas. Thanks again. Thanks again for our listeners. Thank you. Thank you to Devco, Chris Paladino. We love you guys up for another year of this fun. And we'll be back, I guess, next week to talk some Rutgers football and basketball. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.